2: And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast.
3: How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg, and I'm joined again by my new, newly minted co-host, Drew Johnson. I call him DJ. Uh, you guys, if uh if you want a more extensive, you know, opening with with uh with DJ and our you know, past history and everything. Go listen to our recent episode. But I'm super happy to have him on here. And uh we got a lot more Mavs things to talk about uh this week and look, we're just gonna jump right into it. The first topic, DJ, we're gonna talk about is uh how Luka Doncic is just on another like otherworldly level right now. It's really hard to kind of put into words what the guy's doing, but You know, through six games, he's averaging 36.7 points a game uh, on over 50% shooting from the field. Uh, He let's see, 9.5 rebounds, 8.7 assists, 1.7 steals. So he's playing some defense too. Uh, And he's doing it in 36.7 minutes per game. So he's literally averaging a point per minute. minute. Yeah, uh, which is unbelievable. I mean, he he's he's doing it all, and he's doing it all relatively easily. I mean, it's not like I don't feel like he's going out there and just like really exerting himself right now. It, every time he's in the post, uh, you know, whether it's a little guy or a big guy, it just seems like he's in full control, uh, and he ends up scoring with ease. I mean, it's it's not hard for him right now. So, you know, the numbers are incredible. His usage rate like we talked about last last week is incredibly high. People are wondering if he can keep up this pace for, you know, a full season, you know, without it uh affecting his endurance or, you know, whether he'll eventually become more injury prone or whatever. I mean, look, I, I think the way he's doing it so easily right now, I think it's sustainable. He uh he scored thirty plus in the first six games, it's the first time since nineteen eighty-six, uh, when Michael Jordan did it. And Michael Jordan went on to average thirty-seven points a game that year. Uh so just incredible stuff. I mean, me personally, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody start a season like this. Uh, it's it's incredible to watch. And I'm I I just I'm curious to get your thoughts on this start we've seen from Luca and you know, if you think he's capable of of keeping it up.
1: Well, I mean, to answer your question, no, we've never seen anything like this before. Um, it, Not just the points average, but everything else. Um, He not only, you know, gets it done himself, but he makes everyone around him better. Um, now, as far as sustainability is concerned and that usage rate, you know, I, I know that we've said that he makes it look easy and he does make it look very easy, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Skill allows you to make things look easy, um, and he's playing against the best athletes in the world. At the very least, with that high of a usage rate, I, I still fear the wear and tear is going to catch up eventually. Now, granted, he's pretty young, um, but that still has to be a, a matter of concern for the Maps front office. Just because, I mean, you've got 82 games on the season, you know. So, you know, I still. I still think that we need to find some way to lessen the usage rate because, you know, if you look at at past seasons with other people, a high usage rate usually is conducive to injuries later on down the road. And that's just what my concern is. Granted, you know, Luca doesn't play like those people. He doesn't play like a Tracy McGrady or someone that – you know, hammers people off the dribble and skies. You know, he isn't he isn't relying on athleticism. He's relying on fundamentals. He's relying on footwork, and and you know, contact. And you know, that might play into it a little bit as far as sustainability is concerned. But I don't know, man. The uh, the usage rate still scares me. It just as a from a coach's perspective, it scares me.
3: Yeah, I mean, he. We've talked about this so many times, but he's kind of he's like the. He's like Euro LeBron. You know, he's kind of – that's how he plays the game. He he, Obviously, he doesn't have all the athleticism that LeBron had or has, you know, still in his 20th season. But, uh, you know, he plays in a similar way. And, you know, the way LeBron's been able to play throughout his career is mostly, you know, why he's been able to avoid major injuries Mm -hmm. for the most part. And so, like, when I look at that and you just – you see how easily he's getting these numbers, uh, I feel like it's sustainable. Uh, Now, when we get to postseason, I'm not saying that he's – you know, I think he'll be tired, you know, if Mm -hmm. it keeps up. But, I mean, I'm not as much concerned with the injury stuff as I was last year when he started the season not in the best of shape.
2: Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's
3: he's an animal this year. He Mm – he he spent the whole offseason in the gym and he was fully prepared for, uh, you know, that run with Slovenia, even though it didn't turn out the way he hoped to in Eurobasket. But that has trickled into this regular season. And I mean, we're seeing we're seeing Luca at his best right now. And the dude is 23 years old. You know, at what point, uh, you know, it, it, every time he does something like this, it's just like, man, this guy hasn't even reached his prime yet when is Lucas prime (laughs) what's the ceiling for this guy right now you know uh so it's it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch but um his most recent uh masterpiece was last night when the Mavs defeated the Orlando Magic on the second night of a back-to-back that followed a really embarrassing uh inexplicable uh, loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Saturday night. They were up 16 points uh, on the Thunder with less than four minutes to go in that game. And somehow it ended up going to overtime and they lost in overtime. Just unbelievable. Uh, So they were, obviously they were a little pissed off about that. uh, Even though it was on the second night of a back to back and you're playing a young athletic uh, magic roster. They still found a way to get it done. Luca scored 44 points uh on uh Sunday night against the Magic uh to help the Mavs get the 114 105 win. Uh so you know the weekend it was up and down the, the first after they lost to uh the Thunder let's see they were two and three after that Thunder loss. And so you know Mavs Twitter had a meltdown, you know, the season's over. Let's trade everybody uh, you know, stuff like and i mean look it, it was that bad of a loss i told you before we jumped on here that uh you know we, we the tape from that game just needs to be thrown in the dumpster lit on fire and never never seen of again because that, that was it was just that bad so uh but they did bounce back they got a, a win against the magic thank thank god because the magic are not very good they've been in some close games but now they're uh, one and six on the season, I believe. Uh, but the one game that I wanted to go into a little bit more depth with you on was the one that happened Thursday night, and I didn't get to watch it live because uh, I was at a Southern Miss football game. You know, normally they play on Saturdays, well, they're in the Sun Belt now and they've got some weird scheduled games, and mm-hmm. it was Thursday night, so I didn't get to watch it live. I did watch the ending of it, I streamed it from the stadium <laughs> at the end, but. Then I went back afterward, watched it start to finish. Incredible game. Mavs won it in overtime, uh, 129 to 125. And, you know, it was another big game for Luka. And despite Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combining for nearly 80 points, uh, the Mavs outlasted the Nets. And, you know, they they got a big win on the road. So uh, the Nets are struggling. So it's not like they beat a, a powerhouse team or anything, but anytime you have two star-level players playing up to that star-level ability at the same time, you know, it makes it kind of hard to pull out a win. So, I mean, what were your biggest takeaways from that Brooklyn Brooklyn game last week?
1: Well, number one, you know, I saw several different plays that Luca made. Um, obviously, the most polarizing being uh, where he – Fake posted and threw it behind his head. <laughs> God. So it, good. Was, uh, it was something. I mean, it's just stuff like that. You know, we're living in the time of, I think this guy might be the highest IQ player that we have ever seen. I think that he might be the highest IQ player in NBA history because he literally beats teams with his mind and his feet. He just understands positioning. He understands timing. He understands where people are going to be before they even know where they are. I mean, whenever, whenever he hit, was it, was it Maxie that he hit for that layup? Yeah. Yeah. It was Maxi. He, and yeah.
3: they, they interviewed Maxi uh, in his post-game press conference, they asked him about it. And he was just like, I have no idea how this guy sees what he sees on the floor. He, he kind of, Contributed most of it to him having familiarity with Luca, having played with him for like three, four years now. Uh, but I mean, even even then, even so, having played that many years, they're still thinking like, "Man, did he did he know that was going to happen before it happened?
1: Absolutely, or
3: is he just out there trying stuff?
1: So no, it's he knows cool. he. he <laughs> so you're the best players, the be, the best IQs rather are able to see things happen on the court before it ever happens. And he is by far the best I've ever seen at it. Um, you know, not to say that we haven't seen great point guards in the past, but they don't have the physical tools that Luca has. You know, Luca's standing there at 6'8". Um, so he's bigger than any guard is right now. He can see over a defense and he's able to evaluate. And I th- really think that he just evaluates things on a higher level than anyone else. Um, Luca was great. My only complaints in that game were with the uh, transition defense. Cool. We really, really, really need to learn how to stop the freaking ball. And, uh, you know, I understand that Kyrie Irving is probably the hardest player in the league to stop and transition. You know, it's probably be- between him and De'Aaron Fox um, just because they're just really explosive guys. But, We got to find a way to stop ball, at least make him change direction so that we can get back because we just kept getting beat in transition. We kept getting beat in secondary break opportunities, and we need to limit that. If we can limit that, if we can get back on D, if we can stop ball, I think that games will become a lot easier. If we would have stopped them in transition just half those times, it wouldn't have even been a close game um but the reason that Kyrie was able to get going is because he got going in transition and then whenever you get going in transition you start penetrating the defense defense gets sucked in and that leaves opportunities for KD so yeah. um but well and I
3: wonder just to branch off of that point it kind of makes me wonder how much that new rule change the NBA had you know is affecting that because the Mavs they really didn't play that great of transition defense last year either. But, you know, when when it came down to it, if they thought they were going to get beat in transition, they'd do the, the take foul. And mm-hmm. the NBA changed that this year. You, there, there's no more take fouls like that to stop transition. If you do it, the other team automatically gets a technical free throw yep. and the ball back. So yep. I'm wondering if there's an adjustment period there with the Mavs, like if they're just, if they're, if they've been so used to doing it a certain way and now it's like, oh, well, you know, we can't do that now. We're, we've actually got to hustle and get back, uh, instead of taking the easy way out because it's going to cost us a point. So,
1: well, I think, I think we need to have more athletes out there that are capable of stopping people in the full court. Um, for instance, your boy Josh Green, I think that he oh, would man. be. I mean, we're going to get into that in here in a second, but, uh, you know, he's a top-tier athlete, top-flight athlete, like probably one of the best athletes in the league, um, tons of potential. You know, he he lacks a little bit offensively in terms of skill, but the upside is there. The defensive capability is there. You know, I think that he makes you better on the defensive end right away if you play him alongside, you know, Finney Smith. Um, you know, that gives you two lockdown wings, and I think both of those people are capable of stopping people in transition. And I think that's really our Achilles heel right now is transition defense and post-defense. Those are the two big things. Because, number one, we can't stop anyone down there on the block right now. We just can't. Yeah. Um, uh,
3: rim protection is not is not strong at the
1: moment. Uh, <laughs> you know, JaVale can't do it. Wood has spurts where he looks good, but he's got a long way to go. Your best post defender right now is Powell, in my opinion, and uh, that's not good because Powell is like what six eight. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, he can't. He's not exactly a rim protector. He just understands how to guard in the post. He understands how to eat space.
3: It's weird um, because Powell. I think I think Powell is technically six ten, but he doesn't. He doesn't look six ten, especially no. if he's standing next to Luca, who's six eight, and they look like they're the same. <laughs> the same exactly.
1: Another thing that's going against Powell is probably his lack of length. I mean, he may be six ten, but it's like you said, he doesn't cover enough ground. Yeah, T Rex um, arms. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm the poster child for that. I know how that is. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it, we got to have some rim protection, and it can be taught. I mean, not to say that I don't think that Wood has the capability of doing that. Um. But he's just got to learn. And I think that learning comes with experience. Like, we can practice until we're blue in the face. But nothing truly prepares you for a game like playing in a game. You know, you don't don't get true reps until you get game reps.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSE.
3: Uh, as far as the like the rim protection stuff goes, one, and we talked about last week, you mentioned it, you know, a few minutes ago, but Javel's just not it. Uh he's I want to say he's trying hard, but, I mean, I don't even know if he's trying hard, to be honest. It doesn't look – this kind of looks like he's just out there, you know, loafing around, just kind of all vibes. You know, it is what it is.
1: (laughs) Well, that's what happens when you guarantee somebody something. I mean, whenever you guarantee somebody a starting position, they feel entitled to it, and, uh, well, they don't have to work for it, neither while they're in practice nor in game. And so –
3: and that you know, there was this there was this time in the postseason last year where it was very obvious that Dwight Powell wasn't going to be playable in the in the playoffs, or at least for a long period of time. He still started, but you know, as the playoffs progressed, his minutes decreased to to the point where he was only playing like you know eight minutes per night. You know, he'd start the game, he'd play a little bit, he'd leave, and we wouldn't see him for the rest of the. Rest rest of the game, that's kind of what I think they're turning toward with McGee because he only played eight minutes on uh uh Sunday night against the magic, and he was a negative twelve in those eight minutes, which is kind of unbelievable um, mm. but you know one thing I like, and Jason Kidd pointed it out, some people thought it was you know collateral or not collateral they thought it was uh damage control on his part because after the OKC game, uh, he kind of called out Christian Wood because he left Christian Wood in to close that game. And, you know, it was – I guess he thought that Wood was part of the reason why, you know, they weren't able to hold on to that. And there's probably some truth to that. I don't know – you kind of have to weigh your risk on calling out a player so early in the season, especially when he's in a contract year and, you know, you're trying to keep him confident and get him, you know, fully integrated into your system and building chemistry and everything. But, you know, he turned back around last night after the Magic game and specifically mentioned Wood's uh, on-ball defense. And, you know, basically said that even though he wasn't scoring against the Magic, he was having an impact. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's what you like to see. You know, Wood, he only had six shot attempts, only had five points, but he had ten rebounds. And he played some pretty good defense, especially when he was paired with Maxie Kleba, which we talked about last week you know that's that's one of the things I really wanted to see because you can play Christian Wood at center and have a rim protector like maxie at the at the four or just swap them, have one or the other at the four of the five. You have Maxie who can protect the rim a little bit and he can shoot so i mean i I kind of like that pairing I think that's something they're gonna try and you know pair more often going forward and uh, hopefully it works out well, uh, for, for, you know, the team and wood specifically, but I just, I don't know, man. I, there's been a lot of talk about maybe wood being discontent coming off the bench in this six man role and everything. I think he just wants to win, to be honest. I mean, he, he's 20, what, I think he's 26 years old, 26, 27, never been in a winning situation uh he's finally in position to where that can be the case. I mean, I mean I know hindsight's 2020 20, and there's probably a lot of teams that can say this, but if you go back and watch all of the Mavs 3 losses so far this season, I mean, there's a very good chance with one or two different bounces that they're sitting here at 6 and 0. Which is which is I mean, and you can't you can't say that for everybody. I I don't want it to sound like I mean, I get it. The reality of the situation is the Mavs are 3-3 and right now. But, you know, there's a very good case that could be made for, like, you know, if a few things go a different way, they're 6-0. and I think the potential is there. And I think, you know, the last couple of games, Christian Wood has gone through some hiccups as far as his scoring is concerned. But I, I think that's just normal stuff of a guy trying to get in a rhythm uh also while j kid is you know playing around with different lineups so there's not a lot of consistency there because he's tweaking stuff uh it's just one big experiment right now j kid's trying to be a chemist and uh he's trying to find that right formula uh to put together so i mean i i i'm with you you know the the rim protection the transition defense all those are you know legitimate concerns um but, you know, another thing I want to jump into here, and this will probably be our our last topic before we hop off, but you mentioned Josh Green. You know me. I love Josh Green. I'm a huge Josh Green advocate. Uh, you know, a lot of people – now, there, there's – if you go back to that 2020 draft, there's a handful of players who I personally – like Desmond Bain. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I, I really wanted the Mavs to draft Desmond Bain. Didn't happen – Uh, But that didn't mean I didn't think Josh Green could be a a winning player. Um, But he's shown some potential so far this year. The the volume isn't there scoring, but, uh, you know, he's only averaging five points in in 15 minutes per game, but he's shooting 64% from the field and 56% from three when he's out there. Uh, And he's averaging, let's see, so he's averaging 1.2 steals in just 15 minutes. And let's see, where was my – oh, yeah. He's – uh out of all players on the Mavs roster that have played in every game this season, he has the highest net rating. It's a mm-hmm. positive plus – almost plus 33 on the season. Uh, So that's – you know, it's proof right there. When he's on the floor, good things are happening, whether he's scoring or not because he's such a good defender. He's active even if he's not actually getting steals and blocks he's deflecting passes and getting the other team out of rhythm you know on offense so uh and somebody put it the other day i forgot exactly how it was worded but he has just a chaotic energy about him uh he's he's more controlled chaos this year he used to be really out of control and that that wasn't good you know, it was good for a little bit, but then he couldn't control things and he ended up being a liability and they had to pull him. This year it's more of a controlled chaos and it's it's proving to work for him on the court and he definitely needs more minutes. I think he needs to be bumped up in that, you know, 20 to 22, 23 minutes a game mark. If it keeps up at this pace, we could make a case for him to potentially start. Mm-hmm. Continue uh, the well, maybe, uh, maybe we, you know, start Josh Green in place of Reggie Bullock. What I'm mm-hmm. thinking now is, why don't why don't the Mavs try to start Josh Green uh, for Spencer Dinwiddie, and have Dinwiddie come off the bench, be the full time secondary ball handler. Uh, you know, Luca's having to be. Extremely ball dominant right now to do what he's doing, Uh, but you know Josh Green doesn't have to have the ball to be effective, like Spencer Dinwiddie was. So if you put him in the starting lineup for Dinwiddie, then you have Luca and three elite defenders around him, with Green, Reggie Bullock, Dwayne Finney Smith, and then you throw whoever in there at center. Hopefully Christian Wood at some point, but you know. You could throw Maxie in there if you really want to get defensive uh, mm-hmm. with your whole starting five. But I think that would be something to look at going forward. You'd give Josh more minutes, and then, you know, again, you'd have Dinwiddie coming off the bench where he could be, you know, a full-time secondary ball handler, and he'd be playing with Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, and and Christian Wood off the bench. And that Mavs bench would be, you know, that, that's pretty tough to deal with for most teams on on most nights. So, that's my idea. What do you think about Josh Green potentially starting? I know you probably think he needs more minutes, but, I mean, what what do you think of the prospect of him actually starting?
1: We won't know until we try. Um, I will say this. The guy has tremendous upside. Uh, he does a lot of positive things out there. Um, I think he – if he's not an elite-level defender, he is close. And I'm not just talking about on-ball, but he is great off-ball. Great off-ball defender. Um He's athletic enough to offer the post players some help at the rim, I think, as far as an off-ball defender is concerned. Um, He's been pretty efficient offensively, but he needs to have more confidence in himself as far as, you know, actually taking shots, um, looking for his offensive opportunities. I think he sees himself purely as a defensive stopper, and I think that that viewpoint has to evolve just like he does. he needs to have more confidence in his offensive ability. I don't think that we're anywhere near the uh the final version of Josh Green. Um, but just based off defensive potential alone and what he brings to the table and uh the positive impact that he makes, I think there's a pretty good argument to start him, you know, especially if things seem to be going stale with Bullock. Um and I love Bullock, he's a North Carolina guy, love him to death. But I think it's time for us to try something different. I think that it's time for us to inject some uh, energy into that lineup. And I think that green's the way to do it. And I love your idea about bringing Dinwiddie off the bench with the second group. I think that it solves the usage rate problem for Luca that I've been bringing up. Um, And I think that you really get to see what Dinwiddie is capable of at the controls. Um, So yeah, I think that solves a lot of issues. I do. Uh, you know, I can't argue with you there. I think you're right.
3: <laughs> I think uh, you know, another thing is, you know, the last couple of games, the Mavs have gotten off to sluggish starts, and mm-hmm. you know, in the Magic game, they were able to shake it off and uh, they they came back and eventually won it by almost double digits. But you know, at at some point, you've got to you've got to think because in the New Orleans game I went to last week, same thing, got off to a sluggish start that's what they need. They need, they need higher energy. They need that chaotic energy that Josh green brings, uh, from the tip, from the tip off, uh, you know, and hopefully they can get off to better starts because, you know, Rick Carlisle used to say it all the time when he was, uh, still coaching the Mavs, it's a first quarter league. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it sets the tone for the, for the rest of the game. And that's not to say you can't win, uh, the game, even if you don't start off well, but, it's just a lot harder to do so because you end up spending so much energy trying to catch up from that horrible start, so you know we'll see how it goes i i think I think Jay Kidd has proven that he's open to trying new things. It may take him a little bit you know to get to that point, but you know he's he's proven that he's able to to shake things up because at the start of last season, Jalen Brunson wasn't starting yet. Reggie Bullock wasn't starting yet. He was, Reggie Bullock was a new player like Christian Wood, and he came off the bench, you know, for the first handful of games. Uh, but, you know, by the time playoff time rolled around, Jalen Brunson and Bullock were two of your main guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, the Mavs went on a big second half run because of it. So, uh, last thing, I know I said that was the last topic, but this is the last thing I'd be, I'd be cheating myself if I didn't at least mention it. But, I want to get your thoughts on this. I proposed a three-way trade between the Mavs, the Lakers, and the Nets. And I I, I named it Operation Rescue Kevin Durant. <laughs> and, you know, the Mavs, they don't have the draft capital to do, you know, a straight-up trade with the Nets right now. So I had to get a little creative. Like, how do we get the Nets the picks that they want for Kevin Durant? and still get Kevin Durant to the Mavs. So, you know, I was thinking about it it's like, okay, the Lakers really like Kyrie Irving. Things are going down the toilet with Kyrie Irving and the Nets right now. So, the three-way trade was the Lakers get Kyrie Irving and let's see Davis Bertans, I think is what I did. Yeah, Kyrie Irving, Davis Bertans, Mavs get uh Kevin Durant, Kendrick Nunn, and then uh the Nets get Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Josh Green, or any filler really, but mainly Tim Hardaway Jr. for salary purposes, Dwight Powell, and you know a bunch of uh, Russell Westbrook and uh, a bunch of picks involved. So, I mean, overall, I'd have to look at I mean, I, I put a little bit more detail into my actual proposal, but overall, what do you think about that? What do you think the, uh, the risk-reward uh, factor is for a guy like Kevin Durant, who's 34 years old? But he's still really, really good. Like he's still like he, he would actually be a true co-star for Luca for the next handful of years. He's under contract for the next handful of years. Uh, I mean, what do you think about that trade idea?
1: Well, I remember looking at the uh at your proposal, like all the picks that would go to the Nets, and it really kind of reminded me of back when uh Boston And the Nets actually made that trade with uh, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and how Boston bled the Nets dry of picks. And both Kevin, I wouldn't say that Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce were at the point in their career that KD is right now, and neither of them were as dominant of players, and neither of them will contribute to a championship run like KD would. But here's what you have to look at. Is it worth it? Is it worth, you know, the risk as far as injuries are concerned? Because correct me if I'm wrong, KD has some history with an Achilles tear, right? Who's to say there isn't going to be more? I mean, Kevin Durant, he's listed at 6'9". You and I both know he's about (laughs) 7'1". The longer and taller you are, the more susceptible you are to those types of injuries to your ligaments and tendons. They're just more stretched out they're weaker. Um, I worry about that. And the fact is if we get Kevin Durant, you know, he gets hurt. Let's just say a year down the line. Is it still worth it? I don't know. I don't know if it is. Um, but if you get a championship at all, it's absolutely worth it. Uh, any title at all is absolutely worth it. And I think you have to make that consideration as well. Right now, I'm kind of 50, 50. Um,
3: just given. Giving... Sorry to cut you. Off. Pe- people have made the argument too. You know, when I brought this up, is like, you know, if if they're just patient, if they wait until next summer when they're able to, you know, trade pretty much all of their picks if needed for a for a star player that becomes available, you know, wouldn't you rather prefer it be somebody more along Luca's timeline where he can grow with them? Uh, going forward, and I've seen a lot of people uh, bring up uh, Shade Julius Alexander uh, with the OKC Thunder. You know, he showed what he's capable of on Saturday night. He went for 38 points uh, against the Mavs. They couldn't stop him. Uh, You know, has a really nice game, would be a really good, you know, uh, backcourt partner for Luka. So, I mean, I don't know why OKC would trade him. Uh, 'cause he's still, wouldn't.
1: Under- <laughs> he's, wouldn't. He's, he's still under
3: contract, he's still under contract for like four more years so i mean i don't I don't understand why that would happen, but you know that's one name that keeps getting brought up, but you know maybe uh depending on what happens in boston uh you know maybe maybe things maybe they try to shake things up and trade Jalen Brown at some point uh the bulls with Zach Levine uh you know maybe they try to move him at some point if they're if they're underwhelming so there's a lot of interesting situations out there. And I think that's been the, that, that's been the biggest pushback on Kevin Durant, a potential trade to the Mavs. It's not like, I mean, people know who Kevin Durant is. They, they get it. Like the the Mavs automatic championship contenders for the next, you know, two, three years, if it happened, if he stays healthy, but then it's like, well, what about after that? You know, what what are they going to do after that? Cause they're not going to have any picks. uh You know, so it's, <laughs> it's one of those weird situations, but, uh I know that Nico Harrison he uh he's more aggressive than what people think. I know they they didn't have a a really splashy summer but you know people didn't think uh Christoph Porzingis was going to get traded last year either and you know shocker at the deadline they they shipped him off and got two players that ended up helping them make it to the Western Conference finals so uh well, look, that's going to do it for today, guys. Uh, appreciate y'all coming in and, and listening to us talk Mavs basketball as always. Uh, there's actually, I mean, look, honestly, there's, there's like three or four other things I'd love to talk about, but we're going to save that for another pod because, you know, I, I don't want to cram it all into one. We'll kind of space it out a little bit, but... Uh, we appreciate it, guys. y'all be sure to go like rate and subscribe on all your favorite- favorite podcast platforms. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already uh that enters you for a chance to win any giveaways we do. We do them for t shirts on our t public site uh, and then every now and then we'll do ticket giveaways too so uh we appreciate it as always d j anything else before we take off here
2: look
1: i mean just a closing thought. Anything is worth winning a championship if Kevin Durant comes if we get Kevin Durant he comes in, we win a title that first year. it doesn't matter what happens for the next two or three years. It doesn't matter it doesn't you got a title out of it that's all we that's all we want for that's all we hope for, okay so I mean again, risk versus reward, what do we want to look at um yeah, I don't know I don't know what the answer is, but i'm not I'm not nico so
3: all I know, all I know is that with Kevin Durant, the current player he is right now, if you pair him with this current version of Luca as well, because we know Kevin Durant, he can be a catch and shoot player. I mean, he doesn't have to. I mean, he does have the ball in his hands a good bit, but I mean, he plays with Kyrie Irving, and we've seen how that works. I mean, they they can both go out there and get forty a night. So I mean, I I think it works. I think if he can stay healthy, uh, automatic. Automatic, wide-open championship window for the Mavs, uh, especially if they don't have to give up, you know, many key roster pieces, like if it's just mostly draft capital. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. Like you said, they win a championship or two, makes it all worth it. You don't even think about those draft picks for a very long time.
1: (laughs) No. No, uh, I mean, I know that this draft class is pretty deep. Obviously, it's headlined by Victor Wimbanyama, but – um, the whole world is tanking for that guy, so yeah. um, you know i I still think if you're able to get a title, just one title out of it, it's all worth it, and it doesn't matter. Whatever happens after that does not matter um, and we can't afford to make the same mistakes with Luca that other teams have made with other superstars in the past aka Cleveland and LeBron. Um, especially the first time around, whenever they just couldn't get him help. If we have the opportunity to do this, you know, it would almost be worth it just to make sure that we solidify Luca staying. Um, and I think one of the best ways to guarantee it is to get Luca a ring. Um, Luca still got a long career. There's gonna be other opportunities, but it's like you said, if Kevin Durant comes in, stays healthy for just one year, just one year. Number one, it makes you a top-tier perennial contender. Number two, something that we haven't even talked about, it uh, it lessens the usage rate of Luka Doncic, which is one of my big concerns. So, you know, the more I talk about it, the more I like the sound of it. Yeah. <laughs> but still got I've still got that Boston trade in the back of my mind from a long time ago, whenever they bled Brooklyn dry of picks. Yeah. That... Is a cautionary tale that we need to really keep an eye on moving forward. So.
3: Before the season started, I had a voice of the Mavs. He's play-by-play guy for the Mavs. Uh, Chuck Cooperstein does a great job. Uh, he came on the pod, and we were talking about you know the the Mavs' next big trade, and you know we talked about how more than likely if it happens or when it happens it'll be starting next summer going forward because of you know the pick situation but uh you know he he made the the case that you know the next big trade the mavs make is going to blow the the kp trade out of the water like they're really really going to go for it this next time because it's going to be basically their last monumental trade that they can make uh between now and when Luca eventually becomes an unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty six if he declines his player option. So uh they're gonna be aggressive. I mean I, I think Luca Luca is a loyal guy. I think I don't think he has any plans to leave Dallas right now, especially, you know, as long as they're being competitive and uh making it to the playoffs every year and, you know, making these runs. But you never know. You you don't want him to get the sense that you're you know cheating him uh with roster mm-hmm. construction or anything he you, he you want him to feel like the front office is doing everything possible you know to make it to where he can win a championship in dallas so uh mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes i mean it's a it's a pie in the sky, it's a pipe dream, whatever you want to call it type of uh situation, but look, the nets are reeling, the Los Angeles Lakers are reeling uh you know that's
1: putting it likely honestly. <laughs>
3: I, I think I think that you know those two situations could get desperate enough to where, you know, even if it's not the Mavs, I, I think there's going to be a lot of shakeup going on between those two franchises. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe Nico and Mark Cuban can get in there and and uh, and make something happen. But DJ, I appreciate you joining me as always, man. Uh, we'll do it again very soon. Uh, y'all be sure y'all go follow him at Coach Drew Thirty Three on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Dalton underscore trig on Twitter uh, where we're doing all kinds of stuff that isn't, isn't related to MAV sometimes. And sometimes it is, you never know, but <laughs> get over there and interact with us a little bit, but guys, look, we appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Y'all have a good one.
1: Thank you guys. As always enjoyed it.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?